Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. So uh, my name is Dale. I'm the senior pastor here. Love being here. Love our church. Love what the Lord is doing um, in, in our church body and our people. And uh, it's just, it's, it's great to be here. Um, last week, we, I did just kind of a, a fun, playful series, and we called it Tinderhearted. You can go ahead and put up that graphic. And it was, you know, obviously kind of playing with a, a cultural uh, thing going on, a cultural app, Tinder app. And I did it playful. You know, we've got, um, it was February 14th. It was, you know, the season of love, time to buy your Hallmark cards and chocolate, you know, do all the things we're supposed to do. And so I thought it was a great opportunity to talk about relationships and, and our relationship with, with God and how, how the Lord desires that we be in his presence and he created us to be in each other's presence. It's how he wants human flourishing to be. And so... Um, I was kind of debating whether this was just a one-time sermon or not. We talked about it. We just had a kind of a staff powwow on, on Thursday, and we talked about a couple things. And I asked the staff about this, and they brought up some, some points that they're seeing in their age groups and things going on, and I'm going to bring that up later. And uh, we, we decided this was good. And, and so I shared it on, on my social media story, which I'm, I'm really terrible at. I either do it a whole bunch or I don't do it at all. And, and so I shared it. <clears throat> and I got more private messages from people um, all over the place than I've had about anything I've ever shared before. I had somebody in a different state saying, hey, we're doing a small group right now, and this is coming up, and we're really trying to figure this out as Christians, what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to interact with this. I had another youth pastor saying, hey, if you could just give us some of the material that you're doing, whatever. And I, and I started to realize that this is a, a little bit uh, a bigger topic than I had really anticipated, because I just kind of did it for you know fun to be able to, to go with the idea of relationships. Now, you probably don't care, but just let me get this out, otherwise it'll be in my head all day. There are um, different rules and ideas of when you go to church on how people um, speak, how preachers preach. Uh, first, um, expository preaching. That is, you um, open up your scripture, and you go line by line, word by word, and you explain it, expository. And uh, there, there is um, a huge movement right now, even in the Assemblies of God, of saying, hey, we need to do more expository preaching, and I totally agree with it. And then, and then there's the topical preaching, and then you, you, you'll go into a church, and every single Sunday, it's a topic like this, and uh, so what the pastor does is then they'll use um, scripture many times out of context, which unfortunately I've done before, and to, to get their point across. So you can see that's kind of a problem, right? So there's a, there's a topic, and then we, we go and we... Um, and we try and say, what does the Bible say about that topic? And it's good. It speaks to, to cultural things happening. And then there's the third, and that's, that's the uh, combination of both, which I, I try and fall in personally, where we dive into Scripture. I have a goal every year that we cover one of the Gospels and that we cover a couple books of the Bible. And lucky for you, uh, those who are expository nerds, we are going to be doing something called the Johannian literature. That's all the writings of John. So we're going to go into the Gospel of John. We're doing 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. And then, oh yeah, we're doing Revelation. That's right. It's going to be a blast. 
Now, I do have the liberty to, if something goes on or I just think the church needs a break, we'll jump in and do something a little bit different. But, but here, here's the thing. In the Bible, when we read in the New Testament, we see topical preaching all the time. The, what's happening is that the apostles and the disciples are dealing with cultural issues and they're needing to say, this is what the Lord is saying about it. And it gives us counsel even today. It's totally amazing. And so for me, I, I try and do a little bit of both, if that makes sense. So um, that may have just been for me, uh, but there you go. So what is freedom? What is freedom? The Oxford Dictionary, it's almost like they say, this is what it means to be an American. It felt so American just reading it and writing it today, or the other day. Freedom is the power or the right to act, speak, or think as one wants. Boy, doesn't that just feel American? Didn't you just hear that and you're like, oh, I'm so American right now. Man, I should have worn my American shirt. No, no, okay. What's the biblical definition of freedom? Freedom is being free from the control of this world. It's so amazing. Uh, I just love how the Lord works. We, we had some pre-service prayer, and, and we were praying and, and breakthrough and, and being enslaved to this world, things that kept coming up in, in prayer. And then I go and join the worship team as they're praying right before service, and the same prayer. And then we're singing and it's the same thing. And we're talking about this right now. In uh, the New Testament, Second Peter, Peter spent, he, he spent all this time talking about these people that were working their way into the Christian church and they were, they were causing divisions and they were causing problems um, and, and he spent, I mean, if you read uh, 2 Peter chapter 2, it's like he is just going after them. And 2 Peter 2, 17 through 19, he says, These people are springs without water and mist driven by a storm. Okay, so already very harsh language. To be a spring without water, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty dire, Right? He says, it's the black, they are the blackest darkness is reserved for them. I mean, these are people, these are bad people that Peter's talking to him about this way. For they mouth empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. Saying that these people are targeting new Christians people who've put the, the worship of pagan idolatry and they've, they've run away from it and, they've, and they're going to this way of, of serving one God, the one true creator of heaven and the creator of earth. And these people are saying, no, 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 no. Come on, you, you can still do some of the things you were doing before. Verse 19, they promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves to depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. Are you really free? You are free to do what you want. You're exactly right. How many of you remember the song? I'm free to do what I want at any old time. Right? 
How many of you don't remember that song? <laughs> oh, I'm old. The Paul, the Apostle Paul, writes something very similar in, in Romans 6.16. He says, you are slaves to whatever you obey. So, he says, be a slave to obedience, which leads to righteousness. What are we serving? Who are we serving? What or who is our master? What has mastered you? You may say you're free to do what you want. You're exactly right. But don't kid yourself. Being enslaved to something is far from freedom. So if you were here last week, ignore what I'm going to say for a second because I just had a lot of fun with this. Um, I, I brought up kids' shows, okay? What, what did you grow up on? What kind of kids' cartoons did you grow up? You know, the Saturday morning, Bugs Bunny, Roadrunner, Disney programs. I mean, what, what, what shows kind of marked you? And I, I shared about Bob the Builder and how Bob the Builder scarred my son because he said a tool died, and after that he was just totally destroyed. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is crazy, you know? And I brought up Dora the Explorer because, man, I remember my kids listening to this all the time, on repeat. And then that sly fox, he, he comes as Dora and the map and, and whatever the monkey's name is. Boots, thank you. You can even see his boots. <laughs> you guys look awesome. And all of a sudden, when they're getting close to their prize, they've discovered it. Here comes Swiper, and Dora interacts with the audience and says, say it with me, Swiper, no, swiping, right. And so we are talking about Tinderheart, and we are saying, no swiping, everybody. And if you don't know what, what Tinder is, it's, it's an app that it was, I think it was kind of camouflaged as a dating app that really uh, capitalized on the physical appearance of others. And so you don't like it, you swipe one direction, you, you like the picture, you swipe another. And so it, and, and, and it speaks to something that's, that's far beyond the idea of Tinder being bad. It talks about us and our human nature. And that, that's what, what we're talking about here. This is not a, a hey, erase Tinder, which I, I would recommend anyway. But, <laughs> but it, it's, this is more about us confronting our human nature and confronting who we are as people. And so when I talk to the staff about this, here are some of the things that were brought up. People are afraid of commitment. This is one of the reasons why Tinder is a big thing. They're, they're afraid of commitment. And uh, there were examples of, that we talked about of things that we've seen in our church, things that we've seen out with our friend groups, that people just as a whole were, were afraid to commit and why is that? And that's came up to the next thing, is uh, they, they called it FOMO, the fear of missing out. That if I commit to this, what if something better comes along? And that's what Tinder capitalizes on. It, it capitalizes on this idea that there could always be an upgrade. And we are unfortunately, now an upgrade culture, constantly looking for the new update and the next best thing. My uh, son is one of the millions and millions and 
hundreds of millions probably now at this point playing Fortnite of people around the globe. I mean, it's, and, and when, a, when a new update comes, Dad, Dad, there's a new update. And I'm like, I care. You know? <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to listen, I'm trying to care, I'm trying, I'm trying. And, and uh, I, I went with uh, Liam, and it was last year, and, and uh, they were at North Central University, and I went on his floor to visit, and all of the kids, or all of them there that didn't have class, they were in this side room, big screen TV that they brought in, and they were all sitting around the TV watching Tim Cook in the latest Apple, you know, when they come out presenting the new things, and he's talking about a dongle, and everyone's like, I don't know what a dongle is, but I need this. I need this phone right now. It was the newest upgrade, and they were all right there, and they're paying attention to what's happening in the world of Apple. So again, Tinder is not the problem. It just exposes our desire to be wanted, a desire to, uh, that allows us to keep our options open, all while not realizing that keeping our options open actually brings greater dissatisfaction. Now, I want you to hear, I'm going to say this again because I have some studies to back this up, that leaving our options open by having more choices actually brings greater dissatisfaction. So for those of you uh, that don't know, with Jane and I, um, we didn't meet while fasting and praying with our eyes closed and we ran into each other. I know a lot of you believe that. A lot of you believe that because, yeah, we met at Joe's Crab Shack okay? A little less holy. We, we were servers, and uh, we were working, and so we, we both have served quite a bit. We, we worked in restaurants and hospitality. We know the business well. And the Cheesecake Factory is a nightmare for servers, okay? And the reason is, is because it's like a, a Bible of a menu. How many of you have eaten there before? How hard is it to make a choice? It's impossible, and as a server, a server makes their money by either really high tabs, so they try and upsell you, or they try and turn the table quickly. So what happens at a place like uh, the Cheesecake Factory is you're stuck there and you have longer table times, and now the servers have trouble making you wait. And on top of that, they have to memorize everything. So that's another nightmare on top of it. And so if you're somebody who camps out for four hours, you should tip more. Okay, that's just a helpful hint to those servers in this place. <clears throat> but what, what, what's, the, what's the deal? Customers suffer from decision paralysis. They don't, what, the next best thing, just a few weeks ago we took out Karen, our lovely bookkeeper, and we brought her to the Birchwood Cafe. If you've never been there in Minneapolis, it's awesome. It's my wife's favorite. We love going to the Birchwood Cafe. And they have a pretty small menu. Sorry, Pastor Kelly, I'm going to pick on you for a second. It's just so funny. I, I'm sitting there, and I'm standing there, and she chose... And then her face was like, I thought she was going to cry. And then she changed it. And like, what if it's wrong? What if, I, what if the other one's better? Oh, no. Oh, no. And then she chose. Then she chose. I, I don't know. Was it correct? Did you choose correctly? <laughs> Decision paralysis. It totally gets us. So, so they did some studies on this with doctors. And they gave doctors uh, when there was two choices. Um, surgery, and, and they were using some really big examples of some of their patients, hip surgery or medication. And in some of these cases, they could have gone to the medication that actually would have fixed the issue. 
And so when there were just the two options, the doctors went to the less invasive part of the procedure. But then they brought in two different drugs and the invasive surgery. And almost every time, every doctor went to the invasive surgery because they were afraid they were going to make the wrong choice with these others. There was a, a company that came out and they um, just showed their employees all these great options to invest in their company. And there was all sorts of financial avenues that the employees could take advantage of and save for their retirement. It was a great big company. And they had so many options that only 2% of the people responded to use the retirement. Too many options. There was a, a company, it was a, it was a food, kind of a food boutique, and they, had, they were selling jams. They had, you know, just kind of a table. And one day they had 24 jams set out, and they had a ton of people came out, and they wanted to sample all of them. But they barely sold any. The next time, they brought out six, and they were 10 times more likely to sell it per visiting uh, person who took a sample with the six than they were with the 24. We are overwhelmed. We can't make decisions because we have analysis paralysis. There are so many options. I mean, even as a church, we're faced with that. As a church, there are so many options. What do we do? What, what if the Lord wants us here? What if the Lord, want, oh, what if we missed out? What, what well, they, they don't do this. Or they, you know what I mean? There's, there's so many options. And of course, we see this in our relationships. We're tenderhearted. We, we have so many options. What if there's a better one out there? What if I just open it up? What if I just start looking? Because just maybe, maybe there's something better. In Galatians chapter 5, starting at verse 7, Paul says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you? Who cut in on you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you, who is Christ. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. These are harsh words. Who cut in on you? After I dropped my son off from school this week, I was driving down Bass Lake Road, westbound. Car pulled in, I think it's Super America or whatever gas station is there, and I'm just about to go by. And whoever was driving changed their mind. Wham! Just right in front of me. And of course, I'm slamming on the brakes, and I did really pastorally things at that moment. It was, I was so spiritual. Actually, I was really proud. I went about 100 yards back, and I said, I'm just, I'm just staying back here. Who cut in on you? Usually it makes us really mad, but I think that it's like the, the, the frog in the pot 
of, of cold to lukewarm to warm to hot water, that this world is cutting us off from Christ and we don't even recognize that we have been totally cut off. Paul is saying that we have been derailed. He's saying cut off. We've been forced off the road, that we have been detoured. And, and if some of you want to know how angry Paul has gotten about this, so I'll just say the word circumcision, and if there's young people who want to know what circumcision is, I'll say, ask your dad. They love talking about this. Paul says, right after this, he says, I wish, because what, what happened was these Jewish Christians were coming in and telling the Gentiles, the Greeks who came in, saying, in order for you to be a Christian, you have to be circumcised. And Paul's like, that's not the gospel. The gospel, there's freedom in this. And Paul was so angry that they were being led astray by these Christian Jews that he said, maybe they'll cut their own off. Maybe they'll emasculate themselves. Actually, I hope that's what happens. That's what Paul says. Read it yourself. He uses some very harsh language. This, if Paul is this angry about us being cut off from the ways of the Lord, maybe we should start getting angry about it with ourselves and the way that we're living. We need to be on track. We need to stop being cut off by this world as saying there's a better option for the way that we're living. The gospel is speaking to us and saying there is a better way. And it's not being entrapped by the slave and the mentality and the things that bind you and hold you. They're being free in Christ. Freedom in Christ. Be led by the Spirit. So I'm going to go to verse 13 there. Paul says, you are my brothers and sisters. We are called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is filled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Verse 16, so I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another. So that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Have you ever felt that conflict? You ever felt that conflict of, should I do this? I don't know. I remember going to my mom and saying, is this wrong? She's like, well, if you're asking the question, I went, oh, I hate it when my mom's right. Being tenderhearted is my way of saying that we are so focused on ourselves that if we are not careful, we'll totally miss what God is trying to do in our own lives. Uh, it, was 19, or it was 79 AD, and many of us are familiar, learned it in school with the volcano that erupted and, and covered Pompeii. And in the world of archaeology, it's just the greatest gold mine. I mean, they are uncovering, I mean, if you there's some just amazing documentaries that are just, uh, I mean, they're just incredible to watch 
uh, what's happened. But uh, the BBC just published something on the, the 14th. And um, if you could uh, put that first picture on for me, please. So this right here, um, it's the picture of Narcissus. If you remember the, uh, in Rome, it's the, the man who fell in love with himself. They just uncovered this in Pompeii. On, just on, there's a fresco on one of the walls. Could you go to the next? Because there's some other nudity back there. All right, some Roman art, right? And, and here is one of the younger pictures of, of Narcissus. And, and the, the history behind this, and he, this, this character was extremely popular in, in Roman art, is that there were all sorts of suitors and, and women in line to marry him. But he was so captivated with his own image, the reflection of himself, that he just spent time looking in the mirror, looking at himself. And, and that, as, I, as I had read this, and I was just, just wow, this is amazing. Not only the, the history of this and uncovering something, you know, 2,000 years ago, but, but just also what that says about us. Not much has changed, has it? We are still the same people, and in many cases, we're still looking in the reflection of ourselves because you look at, we're tenderhearted. It's about us. It's about serving our own needs. Am I happy? Am I, no matter who else I'll hurt, it's all about me. Remember what I said in the beginning, Tinder is not a Minnesota or a U.S. problem. It's a human issue. Like narcissists, we are selfish, self-indulgent, narcissistic. So the question is, what's the remedy? Now what? What, what do we do? What do we do, okay? Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We are to be people directed by the Spirit of God and not the Spirit of this world. Friends, this world is trying to cut you off, and in some cases has cut you off. And sometimes it's well-meaning people. And, and you know what? In Galatians that we just read, some of those Jewish Christians were raised under the law. They, they were raised with the idea that you had to be circumcised because this was something that separated them out. And they were so passionate about this that in some cases, they were really good people and they were so led astray that they were now leading other people astray. Sometimes we have been cut off into theologies and into teachings of things that are really not that sound, but it makes me feel good. Who's cut you off to get off from the gospel of Jesus Christ? Who's got in your way to divide your mind into believing that you are supposed to follow him wholly and to serve him only? Who's cut in on you? We must allow his Holy Spirit to renew our mind and to conform us 
into the image of Christ our Lord, not to the image of anything that we see on TV, anybody that we see on TV. We are to be image bearers of God. Would you please stand? Biblical definition of freedom is being free from control of this world. 2 Peter 2.19, I'm just repeating this. They promise them freedom while they themselves are depraved, for people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. How, it's a little rhetorical, how is this sitting with you this morning? Do you, do you sense it within your own spirit? Are you, are you thinking to yourself, are you thinking to yourself, wow, yeah, I, I've been cut in on. I'm, I'm going a, a direction that I never thought that I would go. How, how, how is it, are you, are you, are you like, thank goodness I'm, I'm back, I'm where I'm supposed to be. Are, are you, are you, hearing the word in the scripture today? Are you, are you saying, wow, praise the Lord that I'm not where I used to be? Some of you should be sharing your testimony of where you were and to where you are today. Some of you have amazing stories. I've heard some of them. You were cut off or you chose to go a different direction and you are back serving the Lord Almighty. And maybe you, you hear this with joy and you're going, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that I'm not where I, I once was. Praise the Lord, I was cut off and I am, I am in freedom because I am following who Christ is. And maybe there's some of you that are like, oh man, pastor, you got my number today. You got my number today. I have been cut off. I need to, I need to get things right. And so I'm just gonna take this time right now. Just would you please lower, bow your heads, Close your eyes just to give people privacy. And I'm just, it's going to be really painless. I'm just going to ask you, if you are in this place today that you are like, I have been cut off and I need to recommit my life to Christ. I want you to just put up your eyes and catch my eyes for a second. Just look up at me. Let me know so we can pray together. Jesus. Heavenly Father, we come before you today in the name of your Son. Lord, I thank you that we are no longer slaves. We are not slaves to sin. We are not slaves to anything else, Lord Jesus. You say that whatever has mastered us is what actually enslaves us. And Lord, we just want to be people of the cross. We want to be people that are enslaved to righteousness and obedience to you. So Lord, I just pray right now that you empower your people. I pray that you speak to your people in such tangible and, and real ways, Lord Jesus. Open up your word to us. In your holy name we pray. And the church said, amen and amen. You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.